this is Rafao and today in Turbo Talks we're talking to Hugh Carty of EF Education Nippo about La Vuelta España. Alright, welcome back to the Turbo Talks podcast. The third and final Grand Tour of Gear is starting in Burgos this weekend. La Vuelta España. Three weeks of racing all across Spain to see who ends up with that red jersey in Santiago de Compostela. And one of the riders who will definitely be in the mix to take those honors is our guest on today's episode. He finished on the podium last year and he's back for more. Hugh Carty of EF Education Nippo. Welcome you. Thanks for joining the show. How are you going? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, going very well, thank you. Just here in Burgos now, a few days before the start. Um, acclimatizing and preparing, yeah. You look, you look pretty relaxed. I think you're making yourself comfy on the bed, enjoying the tapering week. Yeah, I just finished my lunch, so uh, in a room now, resting up. And uh, yeah, you're just coming off a stage win in Vuelta a Burgos, like two days ago. Is there, a, yeah. is there a better way to get it started on that final week of preparation for La Vuelta? I don't think so. I think it's as good as it could have got, really. So I'm pretty happy with that and gives me and the team confidence and motivation now for the Vuelta. Which is important. So, so how was the Vuelta Burgos for you? Um, it was a tough race. I felt uh, I wasn't quite hundred percent to um, to start with, and in the first few stages they were they were quite difficult in the in the heat and the wind. But um, towards the end of the week, I started feeling uh, feeling a lot better, and um, I was able to able to bounce back on the final day and take a take a nice stage. This is also what you mean by like acclimatizing where you are now in Burgos, like getting used to that heat again and the, and the, and the, maybe the wind conditions are dry and. Yeah, exactly. You just get used to the, get used to the temperatures that we're racing in. I mean, it's where I live in, where I live normally. It's not, di- not different, really the temperature, but uh, here it's, everything's different. I mean, you've got to get used to the roads, the Spanish roads and the, like you say, the wind and um, we're here now and we can take advantage of, looking at the courses for the first few days of the world to the first few stages so um they're important details and you can get a little advantage so, so what's sort of like the impact on like something like that you mentioned like the spanish roads how different is it than say you were racing like in italy before like giro or if you're in a tour um, yeah the, the nothing nothing special i mean it's nothing really to see but it's just you know how the the roads are the types of the, the types of road surfaces and um, every country is slightly different. I mean, if you go to France, the roads are particular there, and Italy are the same. It's they're just slightly different when you ride here, and you just notice that they're slightly different. The way they are, the way the the junctions and corners are, and um, the layout and things. It's just good to good to see where you're racing and um, get a general idea. Yeah, you mentioned you go maybe going into that Vuelta Burgos. You said maybe not 100 percent yet, but you're getting there towards the Vuelta now. Yeah, I think I think my training went well over the over the summer. It went really well after the Giro. I had a, a nice break and came back motivated and uh, relaxed as well. So I was feeling good, but for some reason last week I didn't feel for one reason or another. I didn't feel I didn't feel great. I wasn't I wasn't too I wasn't one hundred percent. I wasn't wasn't my usual self. Um, but I don't know if I, I don't think I was sick. I was just a bit. Um, bit tired and I don't know but at the end of the week I felt I felt okay so I was happy to turn it around it's just good for the team to see me the pen see me that I'm ready and um, yeah whatever was whatever happened during the early part of the week had, had passed and 
how's on in some good form again. Is that maybe something to do with like your with your training load that is building and you're getting something like some really fatigue stages in the preparation for La Vuelta that may have influenced that then or no, I think I, I I don't think I was sick, but I think something was just not quite right. I don't know. Maybe something I ate or something uh um something yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't hundred percent. I didn't feel I wasn't sleeping too well and I just wasn't wasn't feeling great in general, feeling tired. So but I don't think it was the training because before this race I felt fine. I did some tests and things and I was I was okay before the race. So I think it was something I, when I arrived here I maybe uh, maybe had something not quite right. I saw a comment from I think it was for Adam Yates on your Instagram account as well that you apparently sort of like mentioned to him earlier on in the stage that you weren't going for it and then you're ending up with a stage win anyway or Yeah, I was, I was chatting to him and his brother Simon and yeah, I don't think I didn't I didn't expect that. It was their birthday that day, so um I was expecting them to win the stage. Um and even during the stage I didn't feel I didn't feel brilliant or my legs tired and I was a bit uh, just hoping to just get the kilometers in my legs, just train and, and finish the stage and move on to the welter. But yeah, we got to the final climb and I was there in the right positions and um, the team helped me to put me in a good position in the climb. So I was, I just tried to make the most of it and just see how, see how far I could go with the with the best riders. And in the end, yeah, it, it worked out nicely. But I think if I'd been happy with a top ten there, I'd I would have taken a top ten. Um, had that been there and I'd have been happy with that given the rest of the week so um, yeah to win was yeah it was a nice surprise it wasn't what I was expecting but it was a nice surprise you'll take it for sure <laughs> I'll definitely take it yeah. uh, you mentioned like you had a, a, a good summer uh, after Giro so what was your yeah what did your schedule look like after the Giro because between the Giro and La Vuelta Burgos you didn't race no no, I didn't do anything. I, I went back. I went back home and had maybe I think a week, ten days off my bike. Didn't I barely rode my bike once or twice? Um, and then I started training again. It was pretty relaxed. I was just so I didn't go anywhere on holiday or anything. But I just stayed stayed at home and um, did some nice things. I walked in the mountains and um, did things I don't usually do. Went to some yeah the city and stuff and. Um, and some nice, yeah, some nice things, relaxed things. Had lunch out and dinner out and things like that. And do things you don't really usually do when you're building up for big races. So it was, uh, yeah, it was just nice to enjoy the summer with no no travel plans, no need to move, no need to pack the suitcase. You could just stay at home and really relax and just enjoy what you have around you without without stressing. And then, how did the build up towards the Vuelta look like for you? What did it look like? Um, yeah, it's pretty normal to be honest. I had plenty of time, so we didn't need to do any sort of panic training. Um, yeah, like I say, a week, ten days after the Giro, I started training again. Um, started off quite quite steady, quite low uh, low intensity, and just getting some feelings back in the legs, getting some good feeling back in the legs, and then the body feeling like a bike rider again. And um, then after that, we did a, an altitude camp in in Andorra with the team, and we were two weeks in in altitude. Um, and then I came here and yeah, that was pretty much it. It was nice, it was a nice time at home. I enjoyed being there and seeing people I don't usually see during the, during the season and doing things I don't usually do. And, and that was it. The preparation was just, was pretty normal. It was pretty, uh, nothing special. I wasn't training massively. I wasn't not training. I was just, had plenty of time. I had two months to, to get fit for the welter. So I was happy to, 
do it nice and calmly in my own time and enjoy it as well. And you mentioned home a couple of times. So, so where is home for you these days? Is it in Pamplona? No, I used to live in Pamplona. Now I live in uh, Andorra. I've been in Andorra for uh, nearly three years now. All right. Um, that's where I'm based. Well, more or less all year. I go back to the UK to see my family um, once or twice a year. If I can, with the, if the travel restrictions allow it, I'll go home um, in the winter for, for a little while, not too long, and see my family and friends and then come back to Andorra, I think. For me as a climber, it's, I, I couldn't live in uh, in the UK all year round. It, it just wouldn't be possible with the, the type of roads and the weather and the training that I need to do to, to be ready for my for my type of races. Um, so I've made Andorra my home and I enjoy living there. I live there all year and even in the winter when it's cold, it's uh, it's still okay and I can uh, I can train and, and live nice and in a nice way, nice and relaxed place to live and healthy place. Um, good cycling culture people understand it and, um, it's a nice place to ride and uh, for you I think uh, yeah you lived outside the UK for quite a while now because was it 2016 when you left the UK you started riding for Caja Royal 2015 15 yeah. even yeah so so is there a sort of certain love for Spain as well now with the Vuelta coming up yeah I've always, well my career started in Spain now in I lived there for, for four years in Spain. Um, so for me, it's sort of, yeah, it's like a second home. Um, I speak the language. I have some good friends there. and uh, I've won quite a few races in Spain now. So I think the people sort of appreciate me being there and appreciate me as a rider in Spain. So it feels it's always nice to race in Spain and, do races here where you can where you can speak to speak to the fans and you're in the hotels and you can speak to the staff and speak to the, the locals and um yeah it's a it's a cycling nation and it's i think they uh they love it when they love their own riders the spanish riders they love the foreign riders as well and, and to have some kind of history with spain with a spanish team and speaking spanish it makes it makes it even nicer and then obviously great memories probably from last year from vuelta ending up on the podium yeah, how how special was that to be on that first for the first time on a podium in a Grand Tour? Yeah, I think for any rider, any any Grand Tour rider, it's uh, to be on the podium is where it is. That's the big objective. First, second, or third is. I mean, winning a Grand Tour is one thing, but to be second or third is is still an amazing achievement, and it can come. That could be it for me. You know, that could be the the biggest result in my career. So. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to really enjoy it at the time and really appreciate it. I think because some riders, they can be pro for 15 years and they, they never get on the podium in a Grand Tour. So to do it um, while I was quite young was 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 special, you know. So I didn't say like for granted, you know, I'm not a kind of rider who wins every week like Alaphilippe or Roglic or Pogacar. So for me to be there and win a stage and be on the podium is, uh, yeah, yeah. I want more. I'm ambitious, but at the same time, that could be, you know, that could be as good as it gets. So I'm very sort of appreciative and very, uh, very grateful for where I've got to and um, to be able to do things like that. So how is it different now this year coming back, maybe more as the designated team leader? Well, last year, I think you were coming in in, yeah, in the first place to support Dani Martinez for the GC and it ended up being for you. Um, are there different expectations? Do you feel that now? 
Um, yeah, within the team, things have changed. Obviously, was the, we some riders moved on to different teams last year. And we got new riders, but um, but my role changed for sure. Um, but this year in the Giro, I enjoyed it. I think the team enjoyed working for me. I enjoyed working for them. Um, I mean, the result in the Giro wasn't it wasn't exactly what we went for. I think we well we definitely wanted a better result than that. But there are a few circumstances that, uh, a few things that changed and things that can happen in over three weeks. Um, but overall, I think it was a good first experience going there as a as a pure as a pure leader from from day one, from from November, December when we planned the races. Um, so that was a good experience. And now with the Vuelta, so my my second go in a year at being a leader. Um, so yeah, I I enjoy it. I enjoy being part of the team and um, I enjoy sort of rising to the occasion and, and performing with the help of my teammates. It's a, and when it works, it's a special feeling. When everything goes well, it's a, it's a special feeling when you can deliver everyone else's hard work. So I don't feel it too much as pressure. I don't feel anything bad. I don't feel like I let people down if I don't win or don't, don't do a top three or top five. But um, it does give you that extra motivation when you've got seven riders here for you and the staff there as well with one goal. Um, it certainly makes it, it certainly changes the way you, where you go into the races, but when you're racing, you have to give your best regardless whether you're working for someone else or people are working for you. So when you're in the race, when you're racing, you know, it doesn't, doesn't feel too much different. Is there one thing that you take from that Giro uh, experience as a leader into the Vuelta in particular or um yeah i think you gotta yeah you've got to manage your energy over the three weeks it's uh that's the key to being consistent in a grand tour um you sort of got to treat every stage the same and let trust the team to do things but yeah there's things we've learned behind the scenes we've discussed and tried to move forward with um but yeah i think in general we're, yeah we're always looking to improve and I think everything we can everything we can improve on. Um, there's no one particular thing. There's lots of things where we can do this differently today, this differently tomorrow, and uh, go like that. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to last year's because obviously we have to talk about the Angleru stage where you where you were victorious. Um, I actually read that you wrote that without a power meter. Yeah, I did the whole Vuelta last year without a power meter, only the TTs, and and that was it. What's behind that decision to do that without a power meter? Do you like to write by feel? Or? Um, I never really look at power and heart rate during the race anyway. It's good after the stage. We can analyze and, and work things out. But um, I never have it on the on the screen in the, in the race. And in the TTs, I use it. It's, it's a good resource in the TTs. It can really make a big difference having to manage your effort. Um, but on a climb, I find some depends on the type of climb. But on a, a hard climb like the Angley Road, I don't think it makes any any difference. Um, I don't think you need need to see a power meter. I think on a climb like that, you you're either going full gas or you you're not. You know, you, there's no there's no sort of in between. You can't ride at a certain pace. It's very difficult to manage your effort on a climb like that. And the same on Sunday. Last week, I didn't have a power meter. On Saturday, sorry, I didn't have a power meter on then. 
uh, the climb was so hard, you know, you don't have time to look at a screen and, and look at your numbers and uh, your data. You, afterwards, you can look at it and analyze it, but in the race, it doesn't, it doesn't really serve any purpose. But uh, you didn't sacrifice your Garmin, so obviously we're really happy about that. That was still on the bike. <laughs> yeah, the Garmin, I, yeah, I think everyone now, all the riders, the, the GPS head units especially, I've always used Garmin. So, um, but yeah, the, they're really good now with the distance and uh, everything's accurate. You can follow the GPX on the maps and uh, with the directions and the Climb Pro, you can see the profiles. The, those kind of features make a difference, but you can know the course as you're riding it. Now with the, the, so much information, you've got to know everything. And it's nice to have it on the Garmin during the race. Um, but the power data, I don't, I don't think it's nice to have. But I mean, I can live without it. And I and I even understand that you happily switch between the Garmin's as well for the, for those mountain stages to keep the weight maybe even a little bit further down and, and go to the one thirty. Yeah, they use small, the tiny one thirty Garmin, uh, mainly in TTs. To be honest, in road in road stages, I might use it if it's quite a. Yeah, like a, a really, really hilly stage. And I might even put it on the stem. I use the, I don't use the, the in-front mount, the out-front mount. I use the, the stem, the stem mount, save even more weight. Um, but yeah, in the TTs, it's really good. It's a tiny, it's a tiny surface area. So um, it, it takes up no space in the bars. Now you have the TT bars, they're really narrow and... Um, yeah, with the wind and the wind resistance, it, it, it helps a lot. And you can have information, all the information with the power and the heart rate and uh, all the features you can connect to it as a normal, like a normal, uh, like the, by the 1030, a big Garmin. Um, so for me, it's perfect for the TTs and uh, and the hilly road stage, the mountaintop finishes. And there's definitely a few of them again in the upcoming uh, Vuelta, starting with a time trial, finishing with a time trial. Um how much did you already dive into the road book or in, into all the stages? Yeah, I've, I've looked at it a lot. Um, but sometimes you can look too much and look at the wrong thing. So for me, I leave the, a lot of the prepare, preparation to the directors. They have, that's their job to then all the stages, every detail and do the recon. So for us as riders, sometimes it's better to leave that to them and just know what's coming, know the, know the route know the routes and know the the dangerous stages and the, the mountaintop stages but leave the details to them and learn the details closest to the day you can i could you can sit here now learning for stage 19 20 and but then you, you know you can something could happen and your whole race changes and stage two so um yeah i sort of learn the stages as i'm going yeah. that's my method doing it. some some people i know riders good riders learn all the stages months before but um for me it becomes like a, a weight on your shoulders when you know too much too soon and you, you stress about one more road or one descent or one potential crosswind section and you can sit there stressing for weeks about it but sometimes it's better to know as and when it's happening rather than uh too far in advance but, but if i mention now stage 17 and stage 18, you kind of know what I'm talking about, those two, those two finishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the stage 18 in particular, new climb. Um, yeah, that's going to be something special. Covered on I've done that before. I did it in 2016, Walter. Was that the one with Pino? Um, 
maybe it was Pino. Pino or Froome. I can't remember. Huh. I can't remember who won that stage. I was I was at the back. I was in the. I was a long way behind. Um, but yeah, it was. I can't remember who won. It's a good question. I wasn't. I wasn't really involved in the race to be honest. <laughs> that stage, or many stages in that world, to be honest. But no, it was a hard climb. I remember, it was hard. It was a hard day, and it was a hard climb. Um, but yeah, I think that those stages with the climb suit me, and uh, it's deep into the race. So hopefully, I can produce some results there and really make some ground. And, and have you given some thought like about the finish obviously different than last year it's not like that really gruesome mountaintop finish like at the, at the, the uh, penultimate stage but sort of almost like more like a classic type of race what are your thoughts about that in terms of like a yeah I think stage 20 is going to be uh, a big day I've seen a profile and I've, I've, uh, I've seen a few interviews with riders who've pre ridden the stage before and some videos and things previews and they're describing it as like a, a Liège style stage. And um, yeah, I think people can focus on stage 17 and 18, the big, the big name climbs and the, the ridiculous gradients, but there could be a surprise on stage 20. Is it different because you're not going to that high of an altitude during this Vuelta either? Yeah. Does that, does that change anything for who's going to be favorite or for, for the GC riders or, um, I think sometimes the the, the riders that are, uh, that are native to altitude, so some of the South Americans who are who are born at two, three thousand meters, I think sometimes in the Giro or the Tour when it goes over the big passes, it uh, it can certainly not necessarily benefit them, but it's less difficult. Sometimes less difficult for them. They used to they're born and bred at those altitudes, so for them it doesn't take as much out of them, but. Um, I think it becomes like more of a level playing field. If there's less altitude to play with, I think it's more of a level playing field. Um, I don't think anyone benefits that much from it, but I think there's less less disadvantage for anyone. Um, but yeah, it's good. I think it's good. There's, there's less risk of bad weather, so it means the race can always be be the true race. They don't need to change any stages, cancel any stages. Um, so yeah, it's it's a... Yeah, it's good. I think I, I don't I don't mind not going to. I don't think you need to go to two thousand two and a half thousand meters to make a, to make a good race. You see, in the Giro this year, we had a stage. The Queen stage had to get shortened, and then the year before, the Queen stage was shortened, and the year before, every year, the Queen stage gets shortened or cancelled, and and yeah, you always left wondering what would have happened on this stage. But in the Vuelta, I think it always everything always goes ahead, and maybe that's the reason they don't go. Time of year also, but uh, they don't go any over any ridiculous climbs. Yeah, you already mentioned the uh, South Americans. Um, is Rigo going to be one of your teammates during this Vuelta? No, I don't. Think, no, he's not here. He's not doing the Vuelta. He's back home now with his uh, with his family. But um, now we have Diego Camargo and Jonathan Caicedo. They're representing Colombia and Ecuador, so we'll have a couple of South Americans here. Instead of Rigo, almost a bit, maybe a bit of a scoop because EF almost traditionally these days about like the last, uh, the last team to uh, to announce their lineup for, for a Grand Tour. Yeah, I hope we're getting trouble for that. I don't know. I, no, I don't think Rigo's ever been down to do the world. So I think he was focusing on the Tour of the Olympics and then uh, then taking a break. So 
Yeah. And they're coming back maybe for the Italian races in the autumn, I think. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know his program. So, so what are you trying to get out of this Vuelta? When are you happy at the end of this Vuelta? Uh, I think if we have a good three weeks and what happens, happens. I think to start off with, I'd like to try and aim to have a good position in the GC, the general classification, where I can equal last year or better or top five, I think would be a good result. Second Grand Tour of the year. and um, Yeah, I think now with my win last week is... I've got a good opportunity ahead of me. The team believe in me and I believe in them. So uh, if we can do our best for the three weeks and what happens, happens, I think we'll be in a good place. Um, we've got other riders here that can win stages on their own. So um, if uh, if the plan changes during the race, then I think we can adapt to any, any circumstance and, and everyone can get something out of this race. Is, it, is that one of the strengths from EF as well, that you often come into a race but still other guys... Maybe there is a designated leader, but still the other guys always get their own opportunity as well or freedom to go for a stage. Or Yeah, I think we come sometimes in, in bigger teams, they have a lot of pressure on these big races. To, they have one goal and that's their goal. Um, but in our team, we have uh, we have different goals, we have different objectives. So we can approach races differently. We can bring a different style of team to the race. Um, so yeah, it benefits us. Over three weeks, because a lot can happen with crashes and injury, illness. So, um, yeah, it's it's a uh, I think it's an advantage to have a, a, a team that can adapt to to any circumstance and a variety of riders for different terrains. And is there a, at the end of the Vuelta? Do you then uh, look at the standings and see if you're the best uh, the best British person in the race? Oh, I don't look at that too much. I think if you're the best British, you're probably doing quite well nowadays. There's, I was about to say. <laughs> there's a lot of good British riders that will probably be up there. So I think if you're the best British rider, you're probably doing pretty well. Um, and, and if you're not the best British rider, you're from Adam this year. And yeah, uh, yeah, Pitcock will be there. and James Knox and probably some other British riders too. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be uh, an interesting one. Is there anyone in particular who you saw maybe riding in for Vuelta Burgos who say like, oh, that person is gonna go really well and might be a surprise, might surprise turn a few heads this Vuelta? Um, I think Landa maybe, but I think I don't think Landa is much of a surprise. Um, he was looking good. He was looking quite quite fresh, and after his crash in the Giro, it looks like he's recovered okay and got back to fitness. So um, I think Landa is one of the favourites. Bernal. And Adam Yates crashed in stage one, but they looked okay. They were 100%, but they still looked okay. Um, and apart from that, yeah, I think the normal people think Roglic is going to be up there and hard to beat. Um, and yeah, we'll see what happens. I think Lopez is one for Movistar, so he should be uh, one to watch as well. And yeah. Is, is there something for you that you then look forward to taking that battle on with those guys? Is it something that you look forward to in particular, like battling it out with the best? Absolutely. Having as any pro wants, they want to they want to be up there with the best and compete against the best. And a lot of riders, they they uh, they're at their best when they're competing with the best. Uh, they can rise to the occasion and get the best performance when it counts. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of riders like that, and I'm myself. I I like to compete against the best and know for sure where I am and where I stand. Awesome. All right. We've got to wrap it up and I'm going to hope uh, to see you competing against the best and then rise to the occasion as well. But I think you uh, 
by the looks of it, you, I think you're pretty confident that you uh, that you've got, you're coming in there with good shape and be on top form. Yeah. All right. I am. All right. Awesome. You, thanks for your time. Have a good uh, last couple of days before the action starts and uh, and all the thank best you. in Love Vuelta. Thank you. All right. And thank you all for once again for listening to the Turbo Talks. And you know what to do. Share the podcast with a friend. And as always, never stop cycling. This was Rob Bauer with Hugh Carty of EF Education Nippo. Stay tuned for the next Turbo Talks.